Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 18 days ago, we sat and we recorded a podcast. And since then, we've played a million matches. We're exhausted. There's been ups, downs, roundabouts. Ben Osborne's played right back. Youngsters have been on the bench. It's been all right because we've finished and gone into the international break in fifth. I'm John. We're four blades in a pub. Good evening, everyone. And good evening to you, Ian. Good evening. And good evening to you, Dan. Evening, mate. And good evening to you, Phil. Good evening, all. So, yeah, we tried to put together some sort of structure uh, to this. And then there's just quite, there's a lot and nothing to talk about because the relentlessness of the games, I don't know about anyone else. I feel like I need to come up for air in between them. So imagine being a professional footballer. Um, but we've we've gone into the international break in fifth and I think we should be very, very pleased with it. And it should have been higher, really, because what happened at Blackpool. So, Phil, any any you want to kick us off with any 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 thought of reflections on the period that we've just been? I just I think I think everybody at the club deserves a hell of a lot of credit for the not just the last 18 days since last since we were last on, but since the turn of the year, the amount of games they've played and the amount of pressure we've been under and the amount of injuries that we've got to be, keep putting a side out and keep churning out results, albeit we have lost a couple and we've had a couple of stick, sort of sticky draws here and there, to keep churning out results and keep looking like we can keep this run going is remarkable, really. It, it really is. And I think it's, it's built from... Whilst we've won a couple of game, couple of games quite well, it's built from the back, which you would never have thought after the start of this season when we were conceding goals left, right, and centre, and there were sloppy goals we were conceding, and now we look a lot, lot harder to beat, which is just incredible, really. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think obviously the goalkeeper deserves massive, massive praise. Just, just racking up in this period as well with mateship. Makeshift back, isn't it? The stat like we've only played. I can't remember the spe- specificness of the stat, but the, the back four this season has been that inconsistent. Uh, well, back sorry, five in front of him has been that that inconsistent for him to have got like comfortably now into double figures on clean sheets. Not to mention that he didn't play the start of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? He's earned them clean sheets as well. It's not like he's had a rock of a back four in front of him and it's he's just been the, the last line of defence to, to mop the ball up. That save on Saturday is world-class. Absolutely world-class. He's earned himself and, that on Saturday. And it's massive in context, in, in the context, context of the game. It's not like he makes that, that save at 3-0 in 89th minute and it's just a consolation. If they get that and hang on till half-time... The, the the context of that game is completely different, and the context of the season is completely different because we Absolutely, potentially yeah. then go into into the international break in eighth or ninth place, which is a lot different to fifth. It's the funny, isn't it? How he got his, his signing was kind of mocked when we signed him, probably understandably so, because Wilder talked about the goalkeeping department going in a different direction, and we brought Ramsdale in on big money, and then we brought this kid in the Cunkering Rangers side remind me a little bit of McGoldrick when McGoldrick came in for free and everybody kind of moaned about that and, and he proved the, the doubters wrong and, and then some and, and Fodderingham's doing that in equal measures isn't he at the minute well he's uh, he managed he, he clocked up 112 appearances at Rangers according to Wikipedia um, 
and obviously whatever our you know, whatever you think about Scottish football, like the expectation at Rangers is, is huge, like the massive club to be playing for. And I think that experience has really helped him with being able to put in the performances he has. For example, like obviously it it, it built in significance, but when he when he made the mistake against Middlesbrough, a lesser keeper would have spent the rest of that match completely and utterly crapping himself. And then obviously we went to when we went to Coventry, he did let four in, but I don't particularly think it was his fault. And it should have been about fifteen if it wasn't for him. There was a fact, wasn't there, after that game, he made more saves in that individual game than any goalkeeper has made in one individual game for two and a half seasons. And we still still conceded four. The thing is, it shows that his mental fort, he's obviously got some mental fortitude about him because, like I say, he comes in and all right, he comes in knowing he's number two. And even though Scargill was having such a shocker at the beginning of last season, he never got a chance. His third choice at least at the beginning of this season. He dropped that one in subtly, didn't you, Dan? <laughs> I think he means Ramsdale. Gargill goes to Arsenal. We then bring Olsen in. So he's back to... Th- he suddenly he, he becomes second choice or, or kind of joint second choice. We bring Olsen in. He drops to third choice again. Berips gets a game. Olsen gets a game. And to come in and do so well and turn... Turn what what had been a bit of a stinking move into into a into a really good season where he's he's got to be in with a he probably won't get it but he's going to be in the conversation with player of the season, isn't it? Oh, I, I he think he won't is. get it because it'll go to one of Sharp or Gibbs White quite rightly, but he will be quite justifiably in the conversation. In the I same think. way Ramsdale did for half a season last season, because <laughs> he will have only played half a season and he's and he's won as more points to what Ramsdale did. Sorry, Scargill. Yeah. And he's and he spent first half of the season on bench, not being shit like Scargill did. <laughs> so the one thing I was going to say about Wes is you touched on that when he made the mistake against Borough. We've got that nervousness in the crowd that we get, that edginess, that kind of snapping as players make mistakes. We're getting, but you can sense it. It sensed it Saturday when we weren't playing well. We're not getting behind them. People are jumping on the backs. And after we conceded that goal against Borough, people got nervy, people got edgy, people got snappy in the crowd for a, while, for a bit after that. And it comes back to your point. Mentally, he was back on it. And I don't think he had a great deal to do till late on in that game after that mistake. But the fact he was back on it, and we then, and it, it, that gives you the platform to go forward and get the fourth like we did. Yeah. Fodringham. Is is so so influential in everything positive that's happened over the last couple of months. He's a massive part of it, but also I think it's really important to say that the form of Egan Coventry aside has also played a big part in that. We've actually seen a lot of consistency from from Egan again, solidly putting in seven out of ten. Which I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with that, John. I think yeah, he's... I still think he's yeah, I still think he's up and down. All right, fair enough. It was interesting. I thought I thought Gordon dealt with I've forgotten his name now, Barnsley striker. Um big lad. Oh, Morris. Morris, yeah, Morris. Morris. I thought a couple of times he got passed on by Egan to to go, you know, by Egan on to Gordon. I thought Gordon dealt with him a bit better. 
physically on Saturday. Really, really good on Saturday. The save that the save that Wes made in the first half, the one before the before the spectacular save where he actually came out and smothered it at Morris's feet. That was from Egan being caught under a, a little floated ball over the top. Which Morris we know is his. Morris pulled off the back of him and he just got caught under the ball and, and obviously Wes saw it in time and came out and smothered him. But again, that was... I, I would say... I, think, I, I think, think Egan's better than he was at the beginning of the season, John. I would agree with that, but I still think he's... I, I still think, think the he's up and down. He's been from Robinson for the last couple of months. I think he's been the the one that's been the... All right, by the sounds of it, he didn't play very well at Coventry, but... I think and Mask certainly slipped that afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> Christ. He's been he's been almost faultless for quite a quite a while. I think we get what you get with Robinson, which we'd said we haven't had for ages, is he's brought an aggression, which I think the entire team's actually got now. I think there's sort of like an an, an encouraged aggression from the sidelines, and I think Robinson thrives on that, and we're seeing the, his best form as a result of it. We've um, seen we've seen that aggression. We've seen. Sorry, go on. Go on sorry, Phil. I was just going to say with that aggression. I was just going to say we've seen players putting the foot in a bit more stronger than they have all season. We've seen Ollie Norwood putting his foot in. His tackling tackles are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It was some, there was a tweet knocking around over the, like, either over the weekend or today. I was reading like interceptions and stuff. Brilliant, but not. But what I was going to go on to on top of Egan Norwood. That spine is allowed, which has been consistent and sharp at the very top ends, allowed for every for everyone who has interchanged around it to play so well, really. Yeah, just, I wonder, just, just going back to... The side start with the spine, don't you? And that spine has been pretty consistent. When we've been good over the last four years, those four, well, in a different keeper, but those three in the goalie have been playing well and... And this just so happened to be playing well, and we're getting results. But like Osborne at right, Osborne playing right wing back, he feels that like I'm sure I don't know how much he's on. He will be on Premier League money, but the the the, versi- the versatile nature of him, I'm sh- surely this little stint gets him a new contract in the summer. You think so? I mean, I've I've obviously I've given him a bit of stick in the past for just being a bit of a a bit of a Johnny Average plodder, but I have to say, last few games. Right back, he's done. Right wing back, he's done really well. And we were talking about his fill on way out on on Saturday, weren't we? You can see what an intelligent footballer he is. He might not be the best footballer in the world, but he, there's times where you can see that other players might dive in for a ball they're not going to get, and he holds his position or he takes a step to the side and he makes it. He obviously reads the game really well, um, and that can obviously make up for, you know, that that can kind of fill a few gaps where a lack of natural talent maybe. Uh, Maybe he isn't there. Like you say, we're going to say fitting on his wrong foot. I mean, Siriki is a young young lad. You know, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't going to come in and you won't want to be going in relying on a kid making his debut for a run of games. I think it caught us all by surprise to see Osborne put in there still. But like you say, he's reading the game and he just looked to even going forward. He's, dare I say, he's looked more. Look to create a bit more than Norrington Davis down the other side. It's in both both ends of the pitch for me, where Osborne's had a positive impact. Yeah, it was a brilliant ball, and I mean, we could talk about the finish all day long from Gibbs White against Borough, but the ball in was brilliant as well, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 and it... yeah, first first time on your wrong foot. Yes, that's fair play. That's no mean feat, is it? Really? 
He's um thing is as well with Osborne, he's another like he's he's a vastly experienced championship player and he got a lot of that experience at a very young age. He does a lot of like he's involved with coaching and stuff, isn't he? So he clearly is like it. Student of the game, if you he's, will, he's got he's got manager written all over him, hasn't he? Yeah, and he, he as Callum Robinson told us he once read a book, so that's also quite helpful. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I haven't. Fucking hell! <laughs> no, he's got to be cleverest. I once saw him holding a book. All right, cheers, Callum. I mean, that's a that's a fairly low bar, isn't it? Really, if, if holding a book. Is that like equivalent when Graham Lasso used to read the uh, the Guardian? He used to read on away trips, and he got the nickname yeah. the Professor. <laughs> he got he got a lot of grief that apparently the Guardian is a yeah gateway newspaper for homosexuality. God, is some of the chance Lasso used to receive from the terraces. Is it right? Which, yeah, and I, as a as a as a Guardian reading liberal myself, I uh, I can I, I've never I've never felt anything. Persuading me to change my, se- my sexual preference in the um, but yeah, ridiculous. Um, but yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just stunned by you know, just you, you felt the need to make that statement. Well, you know, how far down that rabbit hole you were going to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I found I, I felt awkward, but I thought I'd better finish. I mean, yeah, no, he got, of, he, got, he got a lot of he got a lot of grief, so for being uh, a thinker, didn't he? So, obviously, I don't think Osborne did. I just think Callum Robinson didn't know what it was. And then when he found out, I thought he must be intelligent. Um, but, yeah, back to talking about modern players that we actually have. It's good. Osborne coming in, doing well. Phil Gordon, like you say, young lad. The fact, like, any, any, any criticism people could have of Gordon, like, I know... On Saturday in the group chat, somebody was being a bit critical of him first half, and I was like, I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong, like at all. If anything, he was if he wasn't man of the match, he was man of the match by the end, wasn't there? But certainly one of them I thought was Berger's fault for being they were were more to do with the players he was passing to being on the heels and just not reacting. That one, that one you're thinking about there, I had the same thought with Berger, played it to Berger, and he almost just kind of stood and watched it go past him. Sander Berger, by the way, who's now scored more goals under Paul Heckingbottom than any other manager in his career. And they've totaled the grand distance of about a yard and a half. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet they don't reach edge at box, do they? Well, I'm I'm pleased because he's made me look like a right twat going on about him being one of the worst signings we possibly ever had a few months ago. And then he's really turned it round. But Sander, I did that for you. I've always believed in you, son. He should have um, four in four as well, really, because the Blackpool goal should have, should have stood. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a great weapon, and providing Norway look after him, um, which is a, which is a big worry. Um, providing Norway look after him, he'll be an asset for those final eight games. Just one point, just while we we're on Berger, and we touched on Gordon before. I thought what was really pleasing to see was when Berger scored on Saturday. Who was the player who was coming in right behind him to took it in as well? Yeah, Kyron Gordon. So to see. Your right, your right sided centre back coming in at the back stick. I don't. To me, that I know he's going to be up there anyway for the free kick, but I, that was just a pleasing thing to see. He was attacking my, my the ball. My first instinct was to look at the linesman because I thought Berger had touched it, and then I thought, it, and then I thought it had gone in off Gordon. I thought if it's gone in off Gordon, he's offside. And I, had, I had a quick look across. Obviously, it wasn't. But the other thing I liked about Gordon, obviously, he got put up for the interview the other day, and he's 
the post-match interview and he spoke really well. You know, he, he, he spoke, he didn't speak like a 19-year-old, if you know what I mean. He sounded very measured, very grounded. Um, that had blown Callum Robinson's mind. <laughs> he yeah, spoke. He used he used big words. He drung a sentence together. There were adjectives and everything. <laughs> he don't know what an adjective is. <laughs> oh yeah, fair enough. I my Callum Robinson thinks he's an adjective is what when he was told to score ten goals in a season. <laughs> well. Yeah, we all had high expectations of old Callum, didn't we, bless him? And then for about five minutes this season, I think most of Ireland did. But that's sort of like faded away along with Steve Bruce's arrival. Um, in terms of other another player, I think it's really an interesting one. I'm still not sold on him, but on, on Saturday, I thought Norrington Davis had a very good game. I don't know about what you all think. I think um, Arjo summed it up quite well that that game was a bit of him summed up really, really well because first half it was pretty shit and second half it was pretty good. <laughs> and overall it's all right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I think it would be interesting if how fit Stevens is after this um, after this two weeks. What I don't happens? think he can take Norrington Davis out of the side. I think he's doing more than good enough. He's, he's, he's got the shirt on and he's doing all right. But I know I, I, said, I can't remember if I said it half time up in the game of the day. It's like having Eeyore at left back. He just kind of plods up and down left wing. Just Eeyore. Just, just, well, is there always a rain cloud following him? Yeah, yeah. You can imagine, can't you? Oh, good crossing to the box. Oh, oh. Just, he just looks like a plodder. It just reminds me of like I said, just reminds me of any or at left back. I'd, 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 I'd like, I'd just like to see him take a few more risks and be a bit more positive in the final third. But do, 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 time... does, it, does he want? Does he want to be? He doesn't like a player that looks that happy getting out of that comfort zone at left back. I, I think he's a solid fullback. I'm just not sure he's got enough going forward. Uh, yeah, it'd be. I think you'd see him. A bit more from him in a four, possibly, but yeah. it's um, more more. Fa- we've we've talked about it before, but more great down that side, more great performances from Jack Robinson as well, like we mentioned previously, and then you know Norwood's continuing to to delight in midfield, and and really when we've looked good over the last however many games in those. It's tend to happen in the spell of the game where he takes the game by the scruff of the neck. I think throughout the side, there's a lot of good. There's been a lot of good performances, especially rather than looking at it as over like individual games as a period of time. And a lot of like some of those players have played every bloody minute of this spell. They must be completely knackered. I think it showed at the end of the game on Saturday, as they were coming round to clap the fans. They just looked white. Mm. What one observation we made, and it's taking it back a couple of weeks now, was the emotion. Because I, I thought after the Borough game, maybe it was just a, a flag. You know, the players were flagging because actually it wasn't just a physical effort against Borough. It was a real emotion, emotional effort there. You know, you could see it in... Sharp in like a man possessed, wasn't it? Yeah. Sharp was like a man possessed with a point to prove. and it, But that just, that energy must have gone through the team. And you think, actually... Sort of come down after that, you know, with all that focus on that game, was that part of it? And and let's be honest, we've had 
big games because of because of what's happened. You know, earlier in the season, we've now had games against Borough, against Forest, against Blackburn. You know, in consecutive very consecutive weeks, which are all big big ties for us. They like cup. They like having cup ties at the lane again. Oh, and, and like you said, adrenaline's adrenaline's great in the short term, and it will get you it will get you over the line in in certain games. But sooner or later, that adrenaline obviously runs out, and that's invariably when everything just just drops a level, isn't it? And I think that's like it's possible what we've seen. Definitely at Coventry, uh, like I, said, I, think, I think they were just spent emotionally, physically, from the, the previous few games. It's um, it it's. In, it's encouraging though because that those nights are going to be quite good experiences for the playoffs. Should be getting them having that like mm. pressured game. Yeah. Um, I mean, would know. I think we probably know a bit more halfway through April if we can come out of the international break with some positive results. Then you know, I think second is 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 just too much to ask. I think yeah. I think if you'd have when I when I got was on I was on Radio Sheffield represent the pod and I, I think was it before the I've been before the Forest game mm. and I said I thought you know we could could get second because Bournemouth have got a bit of a fixture backlog then and for all the players they've signed then they weren't necessarily gelling or getting back to back results and it puts a bit of pressure on them now they've kind of good results Saturday and they look look pretty well set and we've obviously had mixed results in that period not unexpectedly as we say but still come out of it in reasonable shape but yeah I think it was just that faint hope that we had such momentum at that time but what you couldn't account for is just you know how the further injuries we've got and you know how that's impacted on our ability to field an 11 even we've got, we've got Sharps injury to contend with now obviously I'm guessing like I say he'll be having a scan this week at some stage did Eckingbottom say it was his hamstring he was feeling mm. Yeah. So as soon as he felt it, he went down. He didn't even yeah. move, which is credit to Billy for not carrying on. But um, yeah, they said later this week he's in Dubai at the minute, so his missus. I mean, even even a even a strain, you know, that might that even a hamstring strain without it being a pull or a tear or anything like that, a strain can can rule you out for two three weeks, can't it comfortably? Yeah, it's um, it's that's worrying. Um, Obviously, something to touch on is just absolutely disgusting reaction. I thought I'd heard it a few games ago when he came on, but people boom at Bernie when he came on. Absolutely, what's going on there? Bad enough at the time it happening, but people trying to justify it on social media as well. well yeah. Because it was he deserves booing onto the pitch. I think right. we had it. We had we had the debate, didn't we, on the last pod about McBurney? It was the last pod. We lose track, but you know we had the discussion, and we all offered our opinions, quite strong opinions. But I certainly don't boo him onto the pitch. I don't boo no. him touching the ball. No, I support any player who comes on the pitch. I, I can have an opinion as to whether I think he's good enough, but don't right. don't. I, I can have Marlon King playing for us, who universally was pretty much hated by United fans. But even then, I don't think I booed him. Not well, one he... impact for the team. Or pe- a lot of people who happily chant positive things for a convicted rapist as well when we had him at, around the club as, as sections of our fan base will, will support a convicted rapist. Although, yes, what happened since then, but the time when 
our former striker went down, he was convicted of rape, and people were acted positively towards towards a player like that. But we've got a player who's been really not very good, booing him onto the pitch. Whether people like it or not, we're not getting twenty million quid back for him. So you might as well try and knock a tune out of him because he's going to be here next season. The thing is, the whole like after that, obviously you had the if McBurney scores were on the pitch. Now, if it had just been that, I can live with that because that's just that's a bit of you know a bit of pathos, a bit of self-effacing banter. That's just what football fans are like, and that's actually quite funny. But the booing, like, obviously, I've made my feelings known on McBurney on here and on, on social media. I, I don't particularly rate him, but even I, you know, he came on. And I just didn't do anything. And that's that's fine. That's but to actively boo him onto the pitch, I'd like to say it's just bizarre. I don't think I've ever heard it before. Not like that. Really weird. And I've, actually, heard, I've heard United players get booed before, so I've heard players be, be the subject of being booed just because they've played poor or got hammered. But I'm struggling to think, like you say, if someone actually been booed onto the pitch. And and the example you gave, Marlon King, is actually someone who you could justify booing onto the pitch because he's yeah, an absolute fucking scumbag. That's what I mean. He was universally hated for reasons off the football pitch. But I don't know. It's just bizarre. And, and the, the irony is, I, I thought McBurney played quite well on Saturday. He looks dreadfully short of confidence in front yeah, of goal. He, he did all right. He, he, he set the second goal up really well. Good good piece of skill to dig that ball out. He, he then fell over his own feet a few minutes later when presented with a good chance. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um. Yeah, well, he might have to be leading the line. So yeah, there's, yeah, there's every chance. Yeah, so what chance. are they going to do? Boo him, yeah. boo him as soon as he touches the ball in the next game. I just think it's a, I think it's a weird stance. I, I, and I genuinely don't think, I didn't think we were that sort of club, really. Not, well, not at home. I mean, I touched on it myself. My I think point. I think we're that sort of club, aren't we? But, I mean, every, every club's got every club's got an element that would do that. You know, and Unfortunately, I, we're no different. But it's we end up getting into this sort of like I don't want to ch- not want to churn out one of them bollock statements like, "Well, you pay your money, you deserve to have an opinion." But like, I, I just think it's a further example of that, like the like toxic. I think there's an argument, and we were talking about this on another podcast to listen to that post COVID football has become more aggressive and toxic than it was in a lot of ways. And we've seen that with like stuff that's happened, whether it was the way the England players were treated in the summer after they missed the penalties, all the way to like grown men waiting for Marcus Rashford to have a pop at him and stuff, to like the fact that Manchester United were pelting Simeone with bottles and stuff. And, it, and they were saying on this, but it was the Guardian Football Week point. They were saying that it's only a matter of time before a player gets struck. Like I think it was like Matty Cash when he scored at Everton the other week, got yeah. completely pelted, like proper took something to the face. A player's going to react at some point. And I think it was quite... a Leicester fan, weren't there, a few weeks ago? Oh, exactly that. I mean... I don't, I don't think that's anything to do with post-COVID. I think that's always happened. It's just... I mean, you know, you, you talk about how England players are treated. You know, I mean... David Beckham with, with effigies being burnt of him and, and stuff like that. It's just, it's always happened. Unfortunately, it's always happened. And every fan base likes to believe that their club's not like it and their fan base isn't like it. But you scratch beneath the surface and every club, every club <coughs> in the country, probably every club in the world, 
has a section of fans who act like this. And whether, oh, whether... <laughs> Jolly good show. Well, Apart from maybe Fulham, yeah. Um, but every, every fan base does it. We're, we're no better and no worse. Some are worse than others. We know who they are. But I think we're probably somewhere in the middle. You know, we, we're, we're, we're okay for the majority, but we've got an, a, an element of dickheads that follow us. And that's just every fan base in the country. That's every international club and every international team in the world. It's just, it's just how it is, unfortunately. Can we, we're wrapping up on players. It worth just quickly touching on Gibbs White. Sponsored by Glistening Kicks. Um, best player I've ever seen play Sheffield United in terms of ta- raw talent. I've thought it for a while. I'm 100% convinced of it. I just think he's at... Like, he does things that we've never had a player can do things like that. I can't think of anyway. We're talking like like proper proper flair player. But there actually, are players who can do stuff like that before, but they've always done it by accident. Like Peter and Love could do stuff that he did, but he actually had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> Asham, yeah. Asham does things like that. Don't do realise he's doing them. Yeah. You're did right. You? I, I, I think, you, you know what, John? Up until the week, I, I was thinking, now, you know, I've seen... I've seen better players, but do you know what? You might be right. I, I'm struggling. I mean, I've seen I've seen some really, really good footballers at United. Obviously, we've we've had a couple on here, you know, Glenn Hodges and people like that, and Brian Dean. They're different to him. He's I don't know, he's probably the most I don't know what the word is, dynamic, effervescent. I don't know what the word is, but I think effervescent's a very good word to describe him. He's yeah. the Tigger to Norrington Davis's EO. <laughs> <laughs> and he's you know, McBurney Winnie the Pooh. Right. Surely <laughs> Sharp's Winnie the Pooh, if what away fans say about him. Surely <laughs> Sharp's Winnie the Pooh stuck in you a hole. singing Billy Sharp, his tits are offside. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Well, one of the things I love about Gibbs White, he does, and he does this quite a lot, there was one instance on Saturday. I didn't think you were very good Saturday, by the way. I thought we were one of our weaker players. But um, he, he must have tracked back 60, 70 yards to put a slide tackle in on the side for, for the ball yeah. to go out throwing. Where we weren't particularly under a massive threat. And he didn't have to bust a gut to get back like he did. But he does, and he does it a lot. It, that point, isn't it? Was he poor on Saturday or were things just not quite happening for him? And yeah, it's maybe. not. It's like I think, isn't it? I think sometimes... You, you sense he's trying to do stuff. He's trying to be that spark, and either it doesn't quite come off, or let's be honest, there's times where play, our team is on the same wavelength as him. No, uh, he does. One of the things he does, which makes me laugh, is he does like what the best kid in the school does often. He like doesn't need to boot the ball over someone's head for no reason to just get onto it and. It's the footwork. He scored the best goal probably that's ever been scored at Bama Lane in terms of like a flare goal in recent weeks. He's got, I don't know, he's just great, isn't he? And his missus is lovely. So, yeah, go on, Morgs. Yes, and you have got to accept with players like him, like Phil said, he wasn't at his best on Saturday, but he was still trying stuff. And then you've got to accept that he's going to have games where that's going to come off, a la Middlesbrough. And there's going to be games where it doesn't come off, but you can't stifle that. You've got to just say to him, keep doing it, keep doing it. All right, don't do it in 91st minute if we're 1-0 up and we're holding on for dear life, but keep doing it because otherwise you, you take away so much so much of his game, don't you? Going into the playoffs, not if it's the six that are in there, but if we count like the top, 
everyone from Bournemouth down to without getting the table up, we'll say Millwall or whoever else has got like a a chance of getting in. Probably down to QPR, isn't it? Yeah, and any anyone else got in like we have in Berg and Gibbs White two game changers of that quality. I don't think they have. And as a result, I think Blackburn could... possibly with Brett and Diaz, but he's more just goals than than actual changing game than actual game changing. Yeah, and they look well without him. They obviously don't. They're not doing it, are they? And I'm not saying because they, they generally outplayed us for much of that game. I think Forrest have probably got something. But who are the, who are the two, though? Who are the, Brennan who Johnson. You probably possibly put yeah. Brennan Johnson in that category. Well, who, who else would you put with him? Well, it's Jeff, Spence. Jeff Spence and, yeah. and you'd probably say as well, I think they've, like we, we said it coming out, they've got, if, if we're still down here next season, we should be going for... God, my brain's gone tonight. Yeah, Keenan Davis next season. Because yeah. he's the best handful of a strike, skillful, quick, strong. You know, Forest are the best side I've seen this season. So I, I, I think to answer your question, I don't think they're not actually game changers in the same sense that our the way our two could be out of nothing. But there's a bit more of a consistent. I'm going to say solidity, and that's not doing them down. But you know what I mean. I think there's a if we've got players who could be a nine, ten out of ten on the day in moments. But they've probably got players who are a steady seven and a half to eight most weeks in mm. those two or three. And that's that's my take. I, I just of all the teams that we could face in the playoffs, I don't want to play Forest. I'd fancy the end Forest over two legs because I think without Max Lowe, we'd just we'd just kill Colback. If you could get Baldock, bear in mind Sariki got in behind him but fell over a couple of times. I honestly I think that's how you do Forest. And it's also, I know Davis was good. He doesn't score goals. He scored two, hasn't he? And yeah, then... he's not a goal scorer, but he's he, he's. I think we talked about it on way out. He's everything that we want McBurney to be. An absolute yeah. handful for, for centre-halves. An absolute nightmare to play against. I noticed when they, I think Forrest got a corner in the first couple of minutes, and for some reason, we put Sariki to mark him. And he just... But that when he gone. pulled his shirt... He just they were they were stood waiting for the corner and Davis was just ragdolling. So yeah, I think Sariki tried taking his shirt off. Yeah, it just it um, seemed like it seemed like an odd an odd way to set up with a, a eighteen year old right back making his debut. Oh, was it him or was it Andre? Was it the Gre- the lad who ended up at Portsmouth? I think it was the lad who ended up at Portsmouth who, when he was at Villa, came off the bench to cause us problems when we drew uh, Andre, Yeah, he, he went to Wednesday for a spell. Andre Gray was on loan on Wednesday, weren't uh, he? Just talking about opposition players, and I, I'd, I'd noticed him in the first half and I didn't make the connections to it was uh, the lad Keener who played for Barnsley on Saturday, who obviously we were close to getting a few seasons ago. I thought he looked a, a real good player. Really good. Yeah. And he looked like someone who, if we go up next season, we haven't got a prayer of keeping Gibbs White. Someone who... He'd be a downgrade, don't get me wrong, but who could possibly do that same sort of thing that he does? wonder what would happen. That's an interesting one with Gibbs White, if we managed by somehow to get promoted, whether it'd be an Anderson job, new contract to Wolves, and have another season where he's comfortable, happy, playing good football. So there's a lot of there's a lot of talent in those attacking midfield positions at Wolves. I, I could, if we went up, I could see him staying in one one shape or form. I don't think we'd ever get. I don't think we get him permanently. I don't think we'd have the. I don't think we'd have the buns to do it. No, 
We bought about 80 grand a week in a five year deal, and it'd be Wolves are going to want 30 million plus for him. I'd say, and the rest with him being English, and like, I just think it adds, yeah, as we saw with the centre forward, we did pay 20 odd million quid for the domestic player, and you just end up paying a lot more than what you can get on the continent, I suppose. But I, I generally don't think. Forest, I think you probably have are the stronger side. I think we have the re- with Gibbs White and Berger, we have the real quality to, 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 to no, nobody, everyone who we're playing would be terrified of those two for different reasons as well. Like they're very different players, aren't they? Yeah. Each brings something different. It's quite of an odd, it's a bit of a yin and yang to be sat playing kind of where they are. You normally have two similarish kind of players doing a similar role, but they are quite different. I think if them two turn up and play and they're on it, I think we we beat any team in this division. Simple as that. I don't think anyone can handle them two if they're both on it at the same time. Yeah. Don't matter in what. A way, in a way, I mean, it's interesting, like he said, wasn't it? He said, I've got to trust, trust the managers to, to play their players sensibly over these couple of games they've each got. And I've got to trust them on that. And he's not asked anyone for any preferential treatment. But he said, we'll see how they're used in the first game. And then I might be making some calls. It was like we said coming out Saturday. I would have, first thing I would have done was said, well, Burgess felt his army. Yeah, I, I would have been staying yeah, behind for on, treatment. Straight up phone to Norwegian FA. Sanders, Sanders Groin's tied up. Sanders Ami's tied up. He's not coming. That's the, the thing is, like, it's you want. You sort of want the players to go to international duty to an recognition for them, you know, professional like gratification for them or whatever. But I've always thought this when in a non tournament summer, the March international break is just, it just causes so much stress. Like, you're like, what's going to happen? I remember that. When we last got promoted out of the championship, like we're terrified that something was going to happen to Egan and Stevens when they went away with Ireland. Because they're both, um, Egan will play 90 minutes both games. Yeah, well, and, and the thing is, that was when we had a bench that was reasonably strong and experienced. You know, you had, you know, you had Medine, you had Craney, you had Stearman. Stearman, who was the kid we had on loan from, um, that scored at West Brom. Dowell. Dowell, you had a you had a good, strong, experienced bench. Now we've got a bench that resembles the cast of Bugsy Malone. It's just... <laughs> it's it, it, but it is genuinely frightening if you know if let's say you know Gibbs White and Berger and Egan all come back with even something minor like a calf strain. You're, you're into you're into Casper Laparta and and Andre Wisdom and yeah, Wisdom's Christ. got Wisdom not staying, is it? Is he not? Has that been? I, I saw he'd been. I, I read something where he wasn't staying, according to the Athletic. All right, okay. But but even still, you know that that he was even thinner. It was like yeah. Horan must have been sat on bench at Blackpool with like several bags of pick and mix to keep him quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Five children in it. <laughs> the Horan's maybe the only one in this period who we've not because he was playing quite well for. A while ago, and because he was because he was playing, we've still not seen him. I want. I'm sure there's got there's got to be the Conor Horahan dance through long range goal that he seems to score all the time for Villa and Villa on the TV. Surely that and for Barnsley, 
Like we we've got to be seeing that soon, surely. I think the trouble is he's in and out, isn't he? And, yeah. and until Flex injury, to be fair, I thought, and neither of them have been overly consistent for a run of games. I think Flex probably had a game or two where he thought, God, this is signs of John Flex coming back to his best. And then he's had a Bowen and Oran's coming for a game or two. And I think, I think it feels like horses for courses when they're both fit, that where you want that bit more energy through the midfield, you put Fleck there. Like Borough game, perfect example of, you know, you want that pressing, you want that energy, you want that aggression. But then other games, it's Horan's game to to kind of help dictate play with Nord. I think if it's um, if it's playoff final, some well, hopefully not tomorrow, but in terms of the eleven you'd put out, flex in it over Horan every day of the week at the minute. There's nothing like, John, like Ian's just said. I think it's a little bit horses for courses. Although I thought Fleck was brilliant against Middlesbrough before he got injured, but yeah. there's been games where Hurrahan's looked really, really solid as well. Where um, Fleck's been really in and out of form, hasn't he, at times? And that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like you say, you, there's an element of picking, picking, pick it where you can, picking a picking a team to suit for the not suit the opposition, but for you know for the opposition as much as anything. But we've not had that flexibility very much, but. I think we've is seen it, it in the midfield a bit. Who are the players Leicester said would be back after the international break? Baldock, Basham, McBurn, even though we saw him on Saturday. Um, who else? I think they're hoping Stevens will be up to full. I, I can't believe Basham's back. We won't be trying to sign wisdom if Basham and Good were, were going to play again this season. Maybe that's why he's been sent back again. Or maybe that's why they're not taking up the option. Possibly. 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 I mean, Andre Wisdom wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a bad. I just think if we need to getting a couple of bodies in is sensible, even if it's just just to have on the bench, like you say. But yeah, I suppose the worry is they talk about match sharpness and fitness. He hasn't played since last season. Is there is yeah. it a long term injury? No, it was played no, for Derby. This, and got released this and... is the odd thing. He played kind of week in week out for Derby last season. And then he's been without a club, right? Well, up until now. Yeah. And he's not well, old. Yeah. He's only he's only twenty eight. For some reason, I had him down at you know thirty two, thirty three. He's twenty eight, so it's, it's an odd one, really. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's one thing bringing him in and getting him up to fitness, but like you say, it's going to take him three, four games to actually get his you know to get his match sharpness up and stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think so. I just look at it. I'll just just add a quick look through free agents. I mean, in the state we're in, and assuming Billy is out, I'm not sure I'm just trying to find out when he last played. Is someone like a Hal Robson Carnu or someone like that just to get in till the end of the season on a free? But again, like what Phil just said, you bring yeah. him in when when the last time he played. That's what I'm just looking up now. And, and that's even that's possibly even more telling for a striker, yeah. isn't it? You, oh, you want a striker to Robson. Oh, Robson Carnu. Remember when Wales were doing well at the Euros and they had that going on the trumpet? Oh, Robson. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Dun, 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 dun. So, yeah, we're not talking of um, we'll, between the lines on uh, Twitter, put out some interesting suggestions who we should sign in the summer. And, and the, is um, what's the proposition for? event in the squad. I think that's something we might pick up before the next next series of fixtures and have a little talk about ourselves. 
Um, there's obviously lots of free transfers going to be in the summer and the squad's going to look very different. I don't think we can spend too much time dwelling on that for a while until we know what division we're playing in. It's going to be complete. If, if we if we get up, it's a case of augmenting and improving what we've currently got. If we stay down, then it possibly it looks more like a rebuild than than just you know the odd tweak here to improve and bits of quality here and there. So yeah, it's, it'll be out with the quo and in with uh, T Rex, Children of the Revolution. We're playing all the kids rather than being on the bench. Um. No, no, no stories about Mark Boland Septon. No. Mark Boland Septon. Right. None that I know of. I don't know of anybody parts of Mark Boland falling off. Well, yeah. Um, more, more fantastic, up to date cultural references there. <laughs> uh, Is it worth yeah. us before we finish? We touched on some of the teams we wouldn't want to face, but one thing we haven't touched upon is the fact that we played. We played Borough. Wilder returned. Um, a, Borough, a Borough that I wouldn't recognise as a wilder side at all in the way they played or the way they set up and in the way David Connolly threw himself on the floor uh, sorry Aaron Connolly threw yeah. himself on the floor every time anyone went near him yeah I it, think it, oh sorry Ian. no go on. I think we all we all worked ourselves up for that one probably more than we needed to and the one person that probably couldn't cope with the situation was the man in the opposition dugout as was proved on the night. Our players got themselves revved up for it and delivered the result. The fans was phenomenal. But the only person who didn't come to the party were well, a couple of people were Wilder Neil, the backroom staff. And yeah, I just thought I thought the way the way we all thought that was going to go couldn't have been any further from the truth. I don't know what you all thought. I thought he, he clearly got it wrong on the night. He'd not got the players up for it. Lack of intensity from them as a side was stark. From from a Chris Wilder side, that's the, the given was always run around a lot and get put your tackles in. Yeah. They just didn't. It, from minute one, you're right, they're chucking themselves on the floor. It weren't just Connolly either. There were a couple of them at it all the way through the game. It just didn't look like a Wilder side. And I commented at the time how Chris Wilder, knowing what he knows about us, didn't snuff out Ollie Norwood was just bewildering. Considering, like you said, he knows what to do. And two two sides had done it previously. So Blackburn did it about 10 minutes. We started really well, like a train against Blackburn. And then they sat someone in between Norwood and Egan. And Forrest did it as well and, and really stifled what we did. And, and like you say, he knows, that, he knows Norwood inside out and he knows what his strengths are. Conversely, he knows what his weaknesses are and that's when someone gets in his face and doesn't give him time to pick his passes and, and to just let him have as much time as he wants just to spray passes all over. Like you said, was... I don't know, was that... Is that a bit of hubris on Wilder's part? Does he want yeah. to... Yeah, does he want to prove that he can beat him without, you know, not cheating, but using his, you know, his insider knowledge? I don't know. Really strange. I just, like you say, it, it felt to me like I was watching an opposition side that's one of those teams that's come down from the Premier League with a bit of an ego about them. You think they're a bit big for the league. Probably foreign manager, you know, players chucking themselves around a bit. It, it, it just wasn't what I was expecting at all. 
thing is, we, we've all seen, while, while Wilder was with us, sometimes first halves were, you know, we, we, were, we were a bit sloppy and we didn't do things quickly. And we've stood at half-time and said, you know, he'll get into him at half-time and we've come out and the passing's been crisper and the tackles have been snappier. And we all kind of said at half-time, you know, you're going to have to ride the first 10, 15 minutes out here because these are going to come out like a train second half. And if they get one back... And it never really materialised, did it? It never... Didn't, you never thought, Jesus Christ, if they, even when they scored, you never thought, right, this is it, this is going to spark a reaction into them. They just, like you said, they just, they just weren't a... The only time of the just game, wild aside. The, the only time of the game I thought they looked really dangerous and they were pouring it on us, and they really were, were in that 15 minutes of injury time or whatever it was in first half. It, I thought that they were going to get one back in that injury time because they they were really pushing and really pressing for it. But then it never it never really came second half, did it? I mean, um, he's he's a good player. Is it Tavernier? Tavit? I can never say it. Tavernier. Yeah, I quite yeah. like him. Or a pen, no, a Peltier, weren't it? Yeah. Peltier, Peltier. sharp had a route, weren't it? Yeah. It's interesting when you see these teams because there's Peltier, there's a player who I would have liked us to, to sign in the past. Was he at Uddersfield for a while? In Cardiff. And, any yeah. one of them, any one of Warnock's kind of in, in the same kind of yeah. Paddy Kenny mould where Warnock's taken him everywhere he's been. And, and didn't yeah, Warnock well, Lee, leads Cardiff on. and Borough. Yeah, he, yeah. He, Warnock likes him. But um, I'm still waiting till Warnock makes his appearance. He's got to have, he's, I'm sure there's one left. He's not He's not officially retired. He's not even been on Talk Sport recently in the morning. God knows. God knows where he'd turn up. It's interesting though, if you look across this is quite if you look across the um top top of the league, if you think back to the beginning of the season, people like Warnock, people like what was he called at Forest, it used to be at Brighton, uh Hewton. Hewton. all the like sort of like old established managers people thought would do and do well, and like everyone tipped for me to have a good season. Middlesbrough there or thereabouts because they've got and and main reason for that with the managers. It's people like Jones at Luton, obviously Eckingbottom, which everyone will have turned the nose up. I think to, Tony Mowbray is a bit of an exception to the rule. He's he's a dinosaur, a, a in the way he looks, and obviously his football style as well. But like. <laughs> There's a lot of young managers doing very well at the top of the league. I'd say Scott Park, but he doesn't count as a cunt. <laughs> you don't drop the C bomb on here that often. But there is, there's a lot of young managers doing very well. At made the top me of the blush. League. Pardon, Dan? That's made me blush. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a lot of young managers doing. Doing well, and and Luton is really the surprise package because we played them off the park, and then they've been they're, they're not they've not lost this year. Right, and and they just look a handful at the top end of the pitch. Watching mm. the goals on Saturday, Chelsea, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They, they... We beat them this year, didn't we? Oh. We yeah we beat them and then there was a horrendous game at their ground. I think it was a nil nil where Brewster crossed the ball out of play for a throw in. Um, yeah, we beat them just before they went on this run. Right. I don't know if it was the. It might have been this year or it might have been December. When did we play them? And you look like you. Um, 
Since the turn oh. of the year, isn't it? Yeah, 22nd of January we played. All oh, right. Well, they've not lost for a couple of... Mark, who I sat next to in staff briefing this morning, is a Millwall fan and he's lying to me then because his missus supports Lou and he was telling me. So there you go. She's lying to him and then he's lying to me. PE teacher as well. Can't trust him. Um, you can. I like PE teachers. But yeah. Um, that rumour start? What rumours would they be? <laughs> But no, the ones you tried to deny earlier. Anyway. <laughs> Christ. Okay. I'm not lost for words, though. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> one quick one before we probably wrap things up. Um, good luck to everyone who's running the Sheffield Half Marathon on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Good luck, boys. Uh, it's, uh, it's fucking horrendous. So, like, good luck with it. But the training <laughs> that Dan and Ian, you two put in I'm sure you'll smash it Phil are you going doing it no <laughs> no neither am I I'm uh, I'm going to the pub uh, no I'm not going to the pub I'm going to a, I'm going to a Pete I'm going to a brewery for a 40th birthday party on Sunday afternoon so there you go lovely stuff but good luck to you two boys you looking forward to it yes very much so uh, where are you wearing the runner blades top down? Are you wearing the Drumfield Running Club vest? No, I'm not now. It'll be it'll be DRC all the way. I'm afraid on Sunday. Yeah, well, there we go. You're coming, running for Derbyshire Running Club. Next thing, you'll be going to Chesterfield. Um, it guarantees it guarantees less stick running up Ecclesaw Road. It guarantees getting less hammer from Wednesday fans to, do, to watching running up Ecclesaw Road. Take, Ian, take are you in the vest as well? I'll be in the vest rather than the runner blade shirt. But like I say, it's it how it works. Because actually, I used to it used to be good fuel to the fire a few Wednesday night cat calls. Although trying to find the breath to just go ah, back at them as I was running was probably <laughs> quite you know. I mean, it is red, white, and black, so we're in right yeah. colours. But I'll, I'll find some way to adorn it so they know my blade. Get some shorts on or something. Well, boys, there's no football this week. Bit of a break, uh, and then we'll be back maybe before or after the Stoke game. But it's been great to catch up with you all. Um, I hope you both smash your targets for Sunday. And uh, there's only one more thing to say, I think. All the blades. Knee trainers, John. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being clean. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. But fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me as someone who's got a bit of a trader page. You're an absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter, at Glistening Kicks, and Instagram, at glistening underscore kicks or they have a website www.glisteningkicks.co.uk give them a shout the process is dead easy they collect them safely and then drop them back off with you and if you take them around yourself that process could be even quicker um they look feel and smell like new and it's i'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and i'm already looking at what pairs i'm going to take down um next to have him look out for us nice one cheers for that i'm going to get on to them straight away what was their industry again at glistening underscore kicks that's the one really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades brilliant nice one all the blades mm-hmm.